Chapter Six of What Shall We Do? by Leo Tolstoy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. The inhabitants of these houses belonged to the lowest population of the town, which in Moscow amounts to perhaps more than a hundred thousand. In this house there were representative men of all kinds, petty employers and journeymen, shoemakers, brushmakers, joiners, hackney coachmen, jobbers carrying on business on their own account, washerwomen, second-hand dealers, money-lenders, day-laborers, and others without any definite occupation. And here also lodged beggars and unfortunate women. Many who were like the people I had seen waiting at Lyapin's house lived here, mixed up with the working people. But those whom I saw then were in a most wretched condition, having eaten and drunk all they had, and turned out of the public house were waiting, as for heavenly manna, cold and hungry, to be admitted into the free night-lodging house, and longing day by day to be taken to prison in order to be sent back to their homes. Here I saw the same men among a greater number of working people, at a time when by some means or other they had got a few farthings to pay for their night's lodging, and perhaps a rouble or two for food and drink. However strange it may sound, I had no such feelings here as I experienced in the Oppen's house. On the contrary, during my first visiting round, I and the students had a sensation which was rather agreeable than otherwise. Why do I say almost agreeable? It is not true. The sensation called forth by the companionship of these men, strange as it may seem, was simply a very agreeable one. The first impression was that the majority of the lodgers here were working people, and very kindly disposed. We found most of them at work, the washerwomen at their tubs, the joiners by their benches, the bootmakers at their lasts. The tiny rooms were full of people, and the work was going on cheerfully and with energy. There was a smell of perspiration among the workmen, of leather at the bootmakers, of chips in the carpenter's shop. We often heard songs and saw bare, sinewy arms working briskly and skillfully. Everywhere we were received kindly and cheerfully. Nearly everywhere our intrusion into the daily life of these people excited no desire in them to show us their importance, or to rate us soundly, which happens when such visits are paid to the lodgings of well-to-do people. On the contrary, all our questions were answered simply, without any particular importance being attached to them, served indeed only as an excuse for merriment and for jokes about how they were to be enrolled on the list, how such a one was as good as two, and how two others ought to be reckoned as one. Many we found at dinner or at tea, and each time, in answer to our greeting, bread and salt, or tea and sugar, they said, you are welcome, and some even made room for us to sit down. Instead of the place being the resort of an ever-shifting population, such as we expected to find, it turned out that in this house were many rooms which had been tenanted by the same people for long periods. One carpenter, with his workmen, and a bootmaker, with his journeyman, had been living here for ten years. The bootmaker's shop was very dirty and quite choked up, but all his men were working very cheerily. I tried to talk with one of the workmen, wishing to sound him about the miseries of his lot, what he owed to the master, and so forth. But he did not understand me, and spoke of his master and of his life from a very favorable point of view. In one lodging there lived an old man with his old wife. They dealt in apples. Their room was warm, clean, and filled with their belongings. The floor was covered with straw matting which they got from the apple stores. There were chests, a cupboard, a samovar, and crockery. 
In the corner were many holy images, before which two lamps were burning. On the wall hung fur cloaks wrapped up in a sheet. The old woman, with wrinkled face, kind and talkative, was apparently quite delighted with her quiet, respectable life. Ivan Fedotich, the owner of the inn and of the lodgings, came out and walked with us. He joked kindly with many of the lodgers, calling them all by their names, and giving us short sketches of their characters. They were as other men, did not consider themselves unhappy, but believed they were like everyone else, as in reality they were. We were prepared to see only dreadful things, and we met instead objects not only not repulsive, but estimable. There were so many of these, compared with the ragged, ruined, unoccupied people we met now and then among them, that the latter did not in the least destroy the general impression. To the students it did not appear so remarkable as it did to me. They were merely performing an act useful to science, as they thought, and in passing made casual observations. But I was a benefactor. My object in going there was to help the unhappy, ruined, depraved men and women whom I had expected to meet in this house. Suddenly, instead of unhappy, ruined, depraved beings, I found the majority to be working men, quiet, satisfied, cheerful, kind, and very good. I was still more strongly impressed when I found that in these lodgings the crying want I wished to relieve had already been relieved before I came. But by whom? By these same unhappy, depraved beings whom I was prepared to save. And this help was given in a way not open to me. In one cellar lay a lonely old man suffering from typhus fever. He had no connections in the world. Yet a woman, a widow with a little girl, quite a stranger to him, but living in the corner next to him, nursed him, gave him tea, and bought him medicine with her own money. In another lodging lay a woman in puerperal fever. A woman of the town was nursing her child, and had prepared a sucking bottle for him, and had not gone out to ply her sad trade for two days. An orphan girl was taken into the family of a tailor who had three children of his own. Thus there remained only such miserable, unoccupied men as retired officials, clerks, men-servants out of situations, beggars, tipsy people, prostitutes, children, whom it was not possible to help all at once by means of money, but whose cases it was necessary to consider carefully before assisting them. I had been seeking for men suffering immediately from want of means, whom one might be able to help by sharing one's superfluities with them. I had not found them. All whom I had seen, it would have been very difficult to assist materially without devoting time and care to their cases. End of chapter 6